Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a walk in the park podcast. (laughs) This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. ideas that go into blockchains mainly originated with Bitcoin, where there were a set of people who were thinking about how to have digital money or digital currency that you could transfer just from person to person and do that in a way that you could keep track of it. Now, let me interject here to clarify. So person to person, that means taking out the traditional bank institution as the middleman. Is that correct? Right. That would be taking out, like the idea of taking out anybody as a middleman and in technical IT terminology sometimes, and other people may have heard this term too, we refer to things as peer-to-peer. So, peer-to-peer means directly, like, imagine that you have something on your iPhone or your, you know, your smartphone, and you want to transfer it directly to somebody else. Um, It could be a file, and we, we often, people do that today, like if you have a picture and you want to airdrop it onto something else, you could do it from one device to another. It might be your device. It might be somebody else's device. Okay, hang on, because now, now I feel we're getting deeper. 
So that's called peer-to-peer, but I still need some type of software platform, some type of third-party intermediary, perhaps, to facilitate that transaction. So it really, to me, doesn't seem strictly peer-to-peer. So could you explain the difference between a banking institution and cryptocurrency versus, you know, again, needing somebody like Microsoft or Apple to actually facilitate, or Amazon to AWS, right, to facilitate all this. Like, yeah. Well, where where I was going there is that if you were if you had like a picture that you took on your phone and you wanted to uh, transfer it to your tablet, you actually don't need any internet. You don't need the cloud. You you could actually do it just transferring it from one device to another and. In the old days, we used to do that with cables. You could do it with thumb drives. But nowadays, we have, like, Bluetooth, and you could connect one device to another and transfer it. Now, today, sometimes we do have the cloud, and we use the cloud, but it's not necessary is my point. Now, but money, if you think about money, money is different. If we're going to have money that we share and we transfer it, the issue is that if I if I give you some money and it's part of a big pool of money, and so let's say I want to create the Jonathan Dollar and I want to give people Jonathan Dollar, but I want it to be that there's only a million Jonathan, Jonathan Dollars in the whole world. So now, I, if I want people to be able to transfer those around and use them, I still have to keep track to make sure that nobody's, like, faking anybody out, that, that I don't give you a dollar and give the same dollar to somebody else and say, hey, you both have a dollar, but, you know, who, where is the central tracking that says there's only a million of these and that we're, we're doing that safely? And that's what we call... Having that is what we call a ledger. And the ledger, of course, we've all, a lot of us have heard the term ledger. That's an accounting term. And when banks keep track of their money, when they put, when you deposit money and you move money around, the bank prohibits you from, like, depositing $1,000. And then you might be able to go into your online system and say, I want to pay. I want to transfer $500 there, and I want to pay that other thing for $200. The bank keeps track. So that if you put in $1,000, you can't spend more than $1,000. That's the bank's ledger. So let's just, let me interject here. Yeah. I do think this is, like, actually a critical thing for people who are anti-cryptocurrency, I'm going to say, because we are going to distinguish other things that blockchain can be used for besides cryptocurrency is that people think digital currency, that's essentially what most of the world, or at least the U.S., is now. Like, there's not all this cash floating around. Like, people are just, they have, you know, digital ledger transactions in their bank accounts, and stuff is just going back and forth. People are getting stuff deposited into their account, but it's not really like, you know, here's a bunch of cash, and so 
when people say that's what they don't like about it, I'm thinking, well, the banking system has been doing this now for quite some time. So that's right. So so we have a lot of financial systems that a lot of people use that have private ledgers. Our banks have ledgers. Visa has ledgers. MasterCard has ledgers. American Express has ledgers. And they're digital ledgers. And they're and they're digital. They're all computerized yeah. today. So and they're all very convenient, right? So we've achieved a pretty high level of convenience of being able to pay off our smartphones and with cards that have chips, and that's all actually working. But the there are a couple of issues. One is that those groups can obviously, and they do, they all take fees. They can take fees, and it's up to them to decide what fees they take for all of those digital transactions. And number two is that they have the power to freeze funds. They have the power to stop somebody from using it. They have the power to um, share your transaction history with somebody else. And for most of us in Western world countries today, like in the United States, I think a lot of people are probably thinking, well, okay, that's a little concerning, but maybe not a huge problem. But in other countries, there are there are many countries around the world where it's actually a much bigger problem, where the banking system is not as uh, well as robust um, as it is in the United States, and, and there are places where um, there is much more censorship and pri- privacy issues and security concerns for individuals related to their government and these institutions. So the question is, could we have money systems and ledgers where they are essentially enabling people to, back to my original point, to have have digital currency or digital transactions that are private, that are not... Uh, where where they could be peer to peer but with a ledger and not that they could be censorship resistant and private if you wanted them. Okay, and, all right. I yeah. want to bring it back to concepts that you know are a little bit yeah. uh, more U.S. relevant. Um, so you're talking about you know private transactions, but. The blockchain is a public ledger where everybody can see every single transaction ever recorded on it. So can you yes. explain so, that? So this comes now around to what is the blockchain. So um, some set of people, and amazingly, the original, the originator of Bitcoin it went, had a pseudonym, Satoshi Nakamoto, and literally we have no idea who this person is. But we believe he's uh, from South Korea. So we, no, he okay. took that pseudonym. We have no oh, idea. Okay. Now there are. We know that there were a group of mathematician and security people, a small group, who were working together. We don't know who that pseudonym is. There is speculation that 
there is a person who uh, passed away who could have been that person. There, there are a few people who claim to be that person, but we don't know, amazingly. Um, because, by the way, that person currently owns, whoever was that person, has an incredible amount of wealth in Bitcoin at this very moment. Um, and so, um, anyway, the, the thing is, is that this person and this small group of people came up with this idea of how to do a public ledger where it uh, would be where we could keep track of digital transactions with uh, the ability to have privacy-preserving mechanisms. So, and how does that work? Well, with, in, with encryption. Okay. So we could basically, while these things are a public ledger, there's nothing on them that says this is Jonathan or right. this is Barbara. Right. It's all with addresses and can all be encrypted. And there's we, I don't know how far down that rabbit hole we want to go, but it's a public ledger. And by the way, anybody can run this public ledger, and anybody can participate. And um, it is. It, it uses various mathematical principles to be resistant to attack and resistant to takeover. And so the bottom line is blockchain is a technology for a public ledger where we can have digital... An encrypted public ledger. Well, we can have digital transactions and they can be encrypted. Um, it uses elements of c encryption to ensure the accuracy of the ledger, and we don't have to publicly reveal identity. We separate identity, like Jonathan and Barbara, from transactions, and this is the idea. Bitcoin started uh, it. Always, yeah. because you're being a little bit unclear, to me at least, anyway. I mean, every transaction isn't encrypted, so if somebody doesn't care, it could say, this is Jonathan's transaction That's right. in there. That's right. Wow, okay. Yeah. That reminds me a little bit of Venmo, where the technology is not the same, but, like, you can leave your transactions public, and then anybody can see, like, you know... That's right. That's... So-and-so well, so paid so-and-so for this. I'm thinking, like, why would anyone want to do that? But it... So, know. you could say that blockchain... Blockchain is, a, is kind of a technology that started with Bitcoin as a... Here's... As, the, the inventor of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, came up with a way to do a public ledger that um, could keep track of digital transactions. And you could say it's actually agnostic as to whether identity is revealed or not, but it, it can provide a way to do, combined with other encryption, transactions could be completely private. Or if somebody wanted to, they could reveal their identity. It's kind of the blockchain itself is agnostic, the, the idea of the technology of blockchain. But what's happened is to kind of cut to the to the end, this idea created a lot of excitement among technologists and computer scientists around the world. And now we have many different blockchains and they have different different blockchains have different characteristics 
there is a blockchain behind Bitcoin itself, but there are now many other blockchains. There's Ethereum, there's a bunch of other blockchains, and, and those have different principles around privacy, um, around capabilities that they have, but they all share common characteristics. Okay, um, we're going to yeah. dig into that a little later, but I want to, in wrapping up part one, um, well, first, ask one kind of, you know, less technical question. Um, how much do you, or what is your opinion of how much blockchain has been hurt, for lack of a better word, by being associated with first cryptocurrency, which is it accurate to say, I mean, I feel like the backstory of it is like, well, criminals didn't want to move their money through banks, the dark web, all these people needed ways to pay each other directly that took out banks, so the whole idea was really born from a criminal mind or perspective or goal? Well, it, as I explained, the um, the actual founding of Bitcoin and thereby the blockchain was not, was through a person who we don't know who it is and a small group of people who were working together. That's not my question. My question yep. is, are you familiar with this concept yep. that it yeah. Whoever those people were, don't care if we know them or not, not relevant to the question, is that basically they invented it as a way to help criminal transactions. They did not. Okay, so that but, is a but, straight up rumor. Yeah, well, they didn't invent it for that purpose, but it soon became used for that purpose, absolutely. Okay. And so that's the separation I was trying to make, is that the founders didn't found it to create Black market. We we have so. published we have a lot of published information about what was going on. Okay. At, among those inventors, yeah, we we have letters, we have emails, we have information about what they were discussing and why. Well, okay. But, so what was their purpose? Just uh, they were just interested in how could we do peer to peer money. Okay. And they were working on it for years. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, so, and but then once you had this, all and it started taking a little bit of root, and Bitcoin gained some aware. You know, other people became aware of Bitcoin and started using it. It quickly became a thing for black markets. Right. And yes, that is a a big part of its history, and it's a big problem. And okay. and it exists to this day. Okay. Absolutely not. Yeah, and that and that has become a problem, and I mean it's a real problem. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So last um, question for this part, part one, is, and you've probably it's probably been a thread throughout, but if you could explain, you know, more succinctly or just wrap up, why why is blockchain important? Why should people care that it exists? Besides We've already talked about fees, not about fees, but like, why should blockchain be the way of the future? Why should we get rid of traditional banks? Uh, well, I, I wouldn't say we should get rid of traditional banks, okay. um, and I don't think we will. But I, I still think people, or, or let's say banks, I think still people are willing 
many people are willing to have an institution that helps them with the security of their money and keeping their money secure and things like that and helping them make digital transactions more easily. But the reason why blockchain is important in my view and will continue to grow and use and be important is that if you think about what we were talking about in the last 30 years, we've gone from no computerized transactions. Like, you know, 30 years ago, we didn't have smartphones. We didn't have um, digital transactions. We, I, and I, I, you know, I don't know if it's 30 or 40 years ago, but remember, we used to write, we used to all write checks. And when we had to pay bills, we'd put it in the mail and send our check. Um, and now today, we have credit cards, we put our credit cards in, we get instant transactions, we do online payments all the time, we pay with our smartphones, we have cards with chips. This okay, is so we already have all this, so why do we need the blockchain? We have all that independence of the blockchain. Because... Why is the blockchain better? No, the blockchain isn't better. The blockchain is enabling the next step. Okay. And the next step is that we, today though we do that, we have to do it kind of through um, private institutions where if, if we could, if we all agreed we would just rely on one private institution, then we could have all the world's stuff through that private institution. But the, but what the next step is the ability for us to uh, do things across institutions. And it isn't just money, it's it's other things that we might want to move across uh, national borders or through different entities. And what I mean is like... Okay, let's put a pin in that because that is going to be part two. Because I think that is where actually a lot of interesting stuff is happening that maybe people who aren't on board with money and cryptocurrency might see the value, you know, right. in so, doing other things. So, well, so just think about... Uh, that is going to be part two. We'll be back.